Welcome, everybody, to Web and Beyond Live for February 8th, 2021. I'm Ray Sidney Smith, and I am president of W3 Consulting and managing director of Web Services, provides affordable web and other web-related services for small business. And we've got some big announcements this week uh, related to that. But First, Web and Beyond Live, which is my chance for me to discuss with you topical and timely issues relating to digital marketing for small business. Really all the things I believe you as a small business owner need to know to be successful Mark presence really on the Web and Beyond today. So welcome everybody to Web and Beyond Live. If you're watching the replay, you can feel free to leave questions in the comments. But if you're here with me live right now, feel free to ask your questions in the comments, say hello, and I'll be happy to uh, engage with you while we make our way through today. Today, what I wanted to do is cover a couple of interesting pieces of news bits relating to Clubhouse, which we've been covering the last few weeks, talking about the economic recovery and how we're in the retail clothing space. I wanted to just touch a bit on that. I uh, can't not talk about the Super Bowl ads, and so I may just touch on one that relates to digital marketing. And then I wanted to close out today talking about really uh, five digital marketing trends that uh, it's, I believe I'm pronouncing his name right here, Sahir Shodin, uh, he wrote about on uh, business to community.com. He wrote this five digital marketing trends to watch out for in 2021. And I want to just go over the five of them here with you because I think it's always useful to uh, kind of check, gut check the importance of some of these items when people tell you that you have to, you know, follow these trends and do these things. Uh, let's see if these things are really going to be useful for you. And I wanted to go over those with you. So, with that, let me go ahead and bring up. The first. That, of course, with Clubhouse, we uh, have been talking about Clubhouse. Clubhouse is a social audio network, and so an audio social network, if you want to call it that. And it allows you to go ahead and access these rooms that are audio only. They're, they're not recorded. You can have one to several people speaking at any given time, but not everybody all at once. And the idea here is that the kind of, uh, call it the, uh, <laughs> the words escaping me, but the high level the the um you know elite uh you know investors across uh the US and and around the world have been utilizing clubhouse in this way it's uh the the Andres, Andreas and Horowitz the big in, investment uh firm they have had their heavily invested in clubhouse so they've gotten all of their partner companies to come onto clubhouse so it's gotten quite a bit of notoriety and as i said before i don't particularly think that this is something that anyone needs to jump on the bandwagon with. It's currently iOS only, invite only, and beta, and they are working on an Android version, but you know that's kind of where it is right now. So uh, as I, I probably uh, figured would happen, uh, maybe you didn't know this, but Clubhouse was actually fairly popular and it started uh, with some folks uh, in Hong Kong or in, in uh, China proper. And uh, they had been using it because China had not yet censored uh, the Clubhouse platform. So you were able to use it on uh, Clubhouse, use Clubhouse and have conversations that maybe you wouldn't be able to have online in other social networks because they were blocked or censored in some way, shape or form. And of course, here we are now today when <laughs> China has gone ahead and, uh, you know, uh, censored the, uh, the platform. Uh, and we'll see what's going to happen there. But the reality is, is that uh, the Chinese people are now 
you know, locked down from not being able to access uh, the system now. It was hosted on AWS, Amazon Web Services, and so they figured out a way to be able to block it, uh, what's known as the Great Chinese Firewall, uh, the Great Firewall, and uh, and so we'll see what happens. I'm curious what will happen when Twitter brings Twitter Spaces to their platform. Will China attempt to block that component within the application as well? Who knows? Uh, but just goes to show that uh, free speech is certainly under attack globally. Keep concerned about that, certainly as small business owners, because if we're trying to get in front of an international market, uh, this is obviously uh, hand- hindering, hampering our ability to go ahead and do that. But I just wanted to bring up the point that this is not without political implications. These social networks are now in the crosshairs of many regulatory bodies worldwide, and we're going to continue to see this uh, kind of unfortunate melee of uh, should we be using these social networks and should we be marketing on these social networks? From my perspective, uh, stick to the mainstay social networks that you uh, know and can trust will be around for a while. And certainly something like Clubhouse, yeah, it's great if we're here in the United States and you want to be able to jump into some chats with some other folks and uh, learn from them and engage. It's real-time, one-to-one ratio. So you have to spend exact amounts of time. You know, It's not like you can listen to uh, the recording in uh, accelerated speed or listen to portions of the audio in order to figure out what the right portion was to listen to. It's all you know, real time. So you have to spend that one-to-one ratio of time to it. So you really don't have that productivity gain there. But there are some really interesting things happening on Clubhouse. And so I'm not discounting it. I think it'll be interesting to see where it goes. But it's just not, for me, where I'm going to set up house for my content marketing hub because it's a fem last for very long. And so we'll see where Clubhouse goes in terms of platform on an ongoing basis, it may be like Snapchat, where this kind of ephemeral content is very appealing to an audience, and they'll want to go there for that conversation, and that's the slice of their their world that they'll use it for in that sense. Uh, next up is the ongoing conversation around what's happening with the economic recovery. Right now, we're dealing with multiple variants of the, COVID, uh, the coronavirus, and so COVID-19's pandemic is still raging on it's still really uh, a challenge for us all and we have and we are going to continue to have varying levels of lockdowns right now the variant seems to probably uh, multiple variants in the united states at least those seem to be on the uptick in terms of different parts of the country and we have different political views on how to deal with this and so we're just kind of in that space where we're, we're still dealing with a lot of uh, economic uncertainty and uh, we need to kind of come together and figure out a a you know, a process for being able to come out of this. I'm excited to see that vaccinations are ramping up. I'm excited to see that people are aware now uh, from at least the leadership from the top down that wearing a mask and uh, doing physical distancing is the way in which we can protect people uh, outside of vaccinations. Vaccinations are important. We're looking forward to more people doing that, at least I am. And the you know, the ongoing goal is for us to be able to figure that out. But in relation to all of this, we're trying to figure out what is the economic impact of the shutdowns and the the closures and the, the different movements of people around the world since the same global travel is not happening, since certain countries are restricted from entering or leaving other countries. How is that all working out? Well, it turns out that Target notes that they hit a billion dollars in sales regarding their activewear brands. And of course, that brought a whole bunch of 
excitement to a lot of people. But on the flip side of that, I then noted an article from Reuters that talked about the fact that clothing retailers were cutting orders with factories. And so those factories overseas are, of course, uh, now starting to uh, suffer as uh, you know because of that. So we see this, again, this unevenness about the uh, the economic, both inequalities of this pandemic, but also the levers uh, that are kind of pulling and, and pushing as it relates to it. And so what happens ultimately is that these kinds of, if we've we've basically kicked the, the can down the road in terms of the economic fallout, and you could bet that these kinds of fallouts where garment factories in Bangladesh, uh, if they're gonna um, close down and shut down and have problems, that's gonna create a downstream effect for us all that will eventually come back to haunt us. And so here we are with clothing retailers like Target and others that are really doing well with regard to active wear. But if these other folks who are actually producing the materials and manufacturing it and getting it to us, uh, they struggle somewhere down the road, that means there's going to be a problem in satisfying, you know, I take advantage of just-in-time printing all the time. And so these kinds of businesses that allow us to be able to produce merchandise very quickly uh, on this kind of apparel, you know, in these factories, if they all of a sudden dry up or disappear, that means customers who are ordering now become uh, frustrated which means you lose business, which then ultimately means that those people go elsewhere or figure out other solutions or just don't buy. And that's a, that's a real struggle that I think we should all be taking to heart right now and figuring out for the future. We can't just think, oh, well, you know, sure, a couple of factories overseas are going to shut down, but ultimately, you know, that doesn't impact me. I really believe that there are some of you out there who are taking advantage of this technology and that technology is being, the labor is being done by humans uh, all over the world and in the United States as well, and they're going to be impacted. And when they are impacted, that's ultimately going to hurt you in some way, other some other way, shape, or form. You know, and so we should just be mindful of that in that sense. So I just wanted to kind of point out that fact because I think it's lost on on many people that somehow we're disconnected and buffered from those pieces when in reality uh, we aren't. Uh, so next up, I wanted to just uh, move us right along to. Uh, this article, which uh, talks about the Super Bowl ad that Reddit put out there. And the funny part is that maybe you don't know what Reddit is, and many people actually didn't know what Reddit is when this Super Bowl ad uh, flashed up for everybody. And so Reddit is a social network, and it provides a platform for people to be able to share uh uh, around particular interests. So just like any other social network. The thing that's really interesting about Redditors, or the people who use Reddit, Reddit users are called Redditors. Redditors are like little mini editors of the sections, what they called subreddits. And so these subreddits, these channels within Reddit are dedicated to topics and they, they can become very granular topics. And so you can have a topic around something like you know, social media, and then you can have subtopics within that particular item. So you can have, you know, subreddits within subreddits. And you have all of these various channels where people are having these dialogues. Now, it tends to me, and I, I don't know if this is just me, but I note that on Reddit, Redditors tend to be fairly skeptical people, and they tend to be fairly, uh, I, I don't know if it's negative. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that it's a negative um, sense of it, but people definitely bring their criticism to Reddit on occasion. Uh, when I'm reading generally, I see a lot of, I see a lot more criticism than I do see 
positive, productive conversation. Now, that doesn't necessarily make it bad, and it may also be just the various areas that I spend my time on Reddit. My time is spent in the technology space in there, so there may be places that are on Reddit talking about knitting and about all kinds of other, you know, fun, interesting you know, social things where the conversation is very different. And so therefore I'm just not seeing that stuff, but either way, Reddit is there and it brings notoriety to it by virtue of this uh, Super Bowl ad. And so I just wanted everyone to be aware that, you know, Reddit is not just about this whole GameStop stock, you know, stuff that's happening with Robinhood and other, and other, uh, you know, consumer retail uh, trading applications. Reddit is an entire social platform that can drive a lot of traffic to your website if you engage on the platform, but you have to just choose the right subreddits and uh, share and engage in the platform in the right ways, which is genuinely wanting to contribute to the conversation, what I call listening, right? Engaging in the conversation and looking for areas where you can, listening, you know, reading and uh, consuming, and then understanding what areas can you engage in. And then at the right time, you can share links to your content to get people off of Reddit and to your website, blog, podcast, or otherwise. But you have to really spend and, and commit an investment of time so that people know that you are committed to that community so that they don't just think that you're spamming them with links to your to your stuff. So Reddit's out there, and now it's probably a little bit more popular because of uh, the GameStop uh, stock volatility you know, issues, but also uh, because they put out this uh, Super Bowl ad. And so it was good to see a little bit of social marketing, uh, social networking, uh, you know, uh, kind of nod to them uh, through this ad. Okay, next up, I just wanted to spend a, a, just a moment letting you all know about Google's changes. Uh, uh, Google has been going through the process of, in essence, creating a new cookie-less tracking system. Uh, and this is for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, but in essence, the browsers, the major web browsers that are out there, the major platforms that are out there, and the companies that are trying to work within them. So for example, Apple and Android, Apple iOS, iPadOS, and Android, uh, underneath you know Google's leadership, the, the Android uh, open source operating system, has been really working toward you know, getting rid of the cookie in essence. Uh, it's a, it's, it's sometimes a persistent, you know, it can have different lengths of time, but a cookie is basically a file that lives on your system in what should be temporarily uh, to be able to uh, identify you so that you can stay in a what we call a persistent state. But in essence, say, for example, you want to stay logged into a website. You can stay logged in because of that cookie, that little file that downloads in the browser session to tell them that you're still logged in. Well, of course, this has been used in marketing for years to be able to create a persistent state for tracking people. Well, it's just come to a head, and now a lot of, of privacy advocates and other folks are trying to fix all of this so that we no longer use cookies for that purpose. Well, here we are with Google finally coming out with its kind of next iteration of what that really looks like in terms of moving away from from cookies. Uh, Apple has basically noted that uh, applications like Facebook's Pixel program, which installs that you know, little pixel and tracks people through the pixel. Uh, they're going to make people, uh, you know, in essence, uh, give permission every time the Facebook pixel launches uh, or loads. Uh, that's going to be a, a huge annoyance to people. And so, of course, that's going to uh, mitigate Facebook's ability to use the Facebook pixel on their systems. And, and you might not know this, but Facebook pixels are uh, near ubiquitous across the uh, advertising space. And so with all of this happening, uh, Google is looking for these options. And here they are, 
uh, looking at Flock, which is their new uh, federated learning of cohorts uh, application. It's a it's an extension they're using using some machine learning. So we're going to see more and more of this. Just be mindful of the fact that uh, the days of the cookies are are you know near their end. Their their end is nigh, as they say. Uh, so just be mindful that consumers are going to become more privacy conscious and have been becoming more privacy conscious over time. And there's a little bit of probably uh, both cynicism and skepticism relating to big tech and their uh, collection and use of our data. And so we need to just be mindful of that. And so as the way of Google goes, we should follow. Uh, it's important that Google is making these privacy-focused marketing choices. And as we look at those, we also want to collect and, and understand our consumers better. There's nothing wrong with us wanting to understand our consumers so that we can provide closer to us, bring awareness to us, and closer to selling to them, but at the same time, protecting their privacy. And so getting that permission-based marketing strategy in, in place so that people come to us and give us permission to be able to engage with them is going to be really important. So this all to say you must get people's permission in order to market to them and utilize the uh, you know the, the the tools that Google and other major advertising platforms are going out there and using today even if it's using cookies withstanding understanding the fact that those days are numbered and you're going to need to start looking at other mechanisms and paying attention to things like Google flock which I'm going to be covering you know over the, as long as it is is developing and whatever comes out of Facebook and so on and so forth so that we can really pay attention to what the future of this looks like and then uh, adapt you know uh, continue to do what we need to do in order to be successful as business owners okay that brings me kind of target topic of today. I wanted to really have this conversation around the idea of these five digital marketing trends that uh, Sahir talks about here in this article on business to community. And so on B2C, he talks about five different items. So one was marketing automated user-generated content. Four is revamped at the, uh, web vitals, core web vitals, uh, page experience updates. And, uh, and then five was social e-commerce or social commerce as I like to call it. Now, the five digital marketing uh, trends to watch out for in 2021 is the name of the article. And I'll, I'll say this, that these are things that I've been talking about for the past five years. So they're not particularly uh, new to me, but they are still considered trends because they continue to make their way upward. Uh, for example, I've been talking about marketing automation and the use of SMS in maybe 12 is when I was, in essence, really, really bullish about the idea of SMS marketing. And still to this day, I am. And the reason I am is because people are not utilizing the technology. So let's just go through these and, and look at all of this. So marketing autom automation. Marketing automation is just the idea of taking the tools you're using, integrating them, and then allowing those tools to be able to do work for you. Now, this is not necessarily a digital marketing trend as much as it is just a productivity trend. And in business, we want greater productivity and the technology can do it now. And so with many tools that we can use to integrate with each other, we can really make that happen. And I'm actually looking to see how I can put together maybe some educational trainings and, and other things for small business owners around this area of automation because it doesn't just limit itself to marketing, but can be really utilized here. So I'll give a, a really great example, which is in the email marketing space we can have all kinds of really interesting things done when that happens. So you know, I run Web and Beyond Community, and one of the things I want to be able to do is every time someone joins Web and Beyond Community, they go ahead and get a series of emails that uh, engage them in the process of 
getting up and running, getting started in utilizing the community well. And so what marketing automation technology can do that directly in the email marketing software, we can have people join the email newsletter as soon as uh, the email list, as soon as they join the community, and then they will get a sequence of emails that help them understand how to take best effect, best advantage of the platform that is the community. And so that's the kind of marketing automation that both levels up. It does things that you are not currently doing and helps you increase the quality of what you're you're communicating with your customers. At the same time, it can supplant the things that you are doing that you uh, should probably leave to software or delegate to another person, but you don't need to delegate it to another person if the technology can do it. And these are things like, say you want to be able to send a receipt to every customer who makes a purchase, but your current software doesn't do that and it requires you to do several steps in order to make that happen. This is where automation software can really go a long way. You can potentially have your accounting software connect to other tools so that when a customer does X, they get Y, and you can then say, okay, when a customer comes to my system and makes a payment, uh, that triggers, say, a message to a virtual assistant. And then that virtual assistant's job is to go into the accounting software, download the PDF, and then open up an email and send them a thank you note with a template that you've created. So you can pair this up with manual operations also. So the automation is triggering a manual operation and and that trigger could be to you. So if you don't have an EA, a virtual assistant or an executive assistant, you can have it email you and just say, hey, by the way, so-and-so just made a purchase. Now's the time to sit down and just take the two minutes and execute an email thanking them and sending them the receipt. That's something that now increases the quality of your work and the consistency of your work just by automating the reminder to you, the trigger for you to do that work. So you have lots of opportunities here in the marketing automation space. I have for a long time uh, used automation in social media to be able to syndicate articles that we're publishing on the blog to the various other social networks as a mechanism for just syndication. And, you know, you just, the sky's the limit. So yes, marketing automation is certainly a digital marketing trend, but I want you to look at that really cohesively. Look at that comprehensively across your entire organization and look at how you can use that, not just in marketing, but across the entire company. Next up is SMS marketing. As I noted before, SMS has a huge Open rate. I mean, the, the open rate in uh, in your messages apps. So if you receive uh, in Apple messages or in Android messages or Google messages, the open rate is astronomically high. It's up in the 90s. And so when you get a text message, you typically open it. And this period, it's as simple as that. And because of that, you going ahead and uh, you know executing SMS marketing strategies really is important. And the the real reality there is that you need to use appropriate technology, right? You just can't start texting people with marketing messages. So that really does need a tool. Uh, easytexting.com is is one platform that I've used with clients, but there are many other SMS-focused and MMS-focused text messaging uh, um uh, platforms for being able to do that kind of marketing, making sure people can unsubscribe and subscribe again if they need to to messages and all of that stuff. So yes, I think it's a it's a it's a trend. It's an old trend. I don't particularly think that we um, that it ever stopped working. It's just that nobody really pays attention to SMS, and it's really really pop- pop- powerful. It's not just for transactional stuff like oh by the way you have an upcoming appointment with us it can be for real lead generation opportunities and outbound marketing opportunities you just need to use it correctly okay uh user generated content 
uh, also uh, a, a good uh, function. I don't really know if that's a digital trend. Uh, you know, like the reality is, is that uh, if you're not using user-generated content, that is content that is created by the audience that you're serving, most of the time that is comments, comments on the content you're creating, but it can also be, you know, photos of your customers taking pictures of themselves with your product kinds of things. Those are all really popular forms of user-generated content. And this particular author is talking about the use of a platform like TikTok, which allows the sharing and resharing of other people's content. That really falls into social media curation in my perspective, not user-generated content in the sense that what I really care about is content that uh, creates greater value for the the audience that I'm serving, and it helps to elevate my brand in the process of that content. So if someone comments on my content, that makes my content more valuable, and it's related to my brand. But in the case of of like TikTok, uh, people are really just propagating topic topical conversations that greater use of. So, you know, people singing together and those kinds of things or having a conversation and that extending that conversation. If that con conversation doesn't really start or generate from my uh, brand, then the value of it is not necessarily as high if you can think about it that way. So from from my perspective, I think UGC is, is great. I think it's really important. Mind uh, works for many businesses, but you know, it's not necessarily the end-all be-all. If you're producing great content and going out there and doing effective conversations to engage in, uh, UGC is, is one way you can't scale your own, but there are just really good ways to scale your own uh, before you go out. Okay, um, we've talked about this earlier, which is that Google has upcoming changes to the way in which they uh, show uh, content, and this is going to be obviously very uh, important to all of us, but the biggest thing is that the core web vitals that we talked about uh, in, in I forget which episode it was, but if you go back to Google core web vitals update, you should really be paying attention to that. Otherwise, these uh, new Google updates that this particular person is talking about are things that are not necessarily of any um, real consequence to business owners if they are writing great content, if they are recording great content in audio or video, and they are doing all the right SEO uh, functions here, then uh, you know, the idea of Google uh, making some update here or there is not really going to impact the smaller sites. If you have thousands if, or tens of thousands of pages on your website, then yes, you're going to need to pay attention to Google's changes. But the, the SERPs page changes are not as important as they are to the Google core web vitals update. That page experience update is going to be more important to you and just being indexed in the first place by Google. So that's more important to me there. And then last but not least is social e-commerce. Now, once upon a time, I would have told you that the uh, whole concept of social commerce was bunk, that <laughs> you couldn't do it. And I was right then, and I think it's changed. Uh, the fundamental change now is that many of these platforms, Facebook and Instagram specifically, Pinterest really started the, the game there, though. They started with the shoppable pins concept, where they are now K-commerce functionalities that give you the ability to actually make a purchase and have purchase intent directly on the social networks. People are now thinking about making purchases from and within social networks. That didn't really and wasn't really the case when we first got started. Now, from my perspective, do I feel like this is a good thing for you as a small business owner? Probably not. You know, if you have a company like Target that is capable of spending, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars uh, per month on getting their products displayed within a 
social network that people can then purchase by clicking on an image and purchasing from there. They have the infrastructure for their mobile e-commerce applications that connect it up. All of that's great. Uh, and if you have a great social uh, commerce platform that is integrated with your mobile commerce platform, also great. I, I, I recommend that. But for most small business owners that are, say, service-based or they are small batch product-based, this is not going to be particularly the uh, make or break for you. The The reality is, is that you should still be doing the right things, which are engaging people in value that get them to come to your e-commerce site and make a purchase, if that's what you're trying to do. Uh, but don't think that Facebook shops or Instagram shops or even when Twitter eventually brings out their platform, that that's going to start bringing in a lot of business for you because the reality is is that you'll have a huge amount of competition from big box brands that are going to be getting in front of people and they'll be spending the advertising dollars, the advertising budget to really bring a first look at their stuff before they go ahead and spend money on you. So those are the five trends that he talked about. I think that they are all trends that have been happening for a long time and new to me, but I think it's good for us to be kind of aware that they exist. And uh, and so I appreciate the uh, bringing those things uh, to the fore for us. So those are my thoughts as we walked, our, walked my way through the article, and hopefully that was useful and helpful for you to kind of trigger some new ideas and thoughts there as well. So we have reached uh, the top of our time together. If you have any questions, feel free to leave those as comments on the show, and we will uh, be back here next week. We're back to Mondays at 11 a.m. I really thought we would try different uh, times throughout the week, but it actually ended up causing more uh, hassle, both in my calendar and in others' ability to attend. And so we're back on Mondays at 11 a.m. Eastern, and so if you've enjoyed this live stream, feel free to hit the thumbs up icon. That helps us make new small business friends, and so thank you for doing that. If you have a question, as I said, leave a comment message us on social media at W3 Consulting, W the number three consulting on Twitter, Facebook. I think we're W3 Consulting Inc. On LinkedIn, we're W3 Consulting and so on and so forth. Uh, so thanks so much for spending this Web and Beyond Live with me. I'm Ray Sidney Smith on behalf of W3 Consulting and our subsidiary W3C Web Services. Have a great week ahead.